Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Man, good morning. Thank you, praise team. That's what we're here to do today is to adore Jesus, and I hope that you're here to do that as well. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, find Acts chapter 9. That's where we're going to be Today, I want to especially welcome all of you who may be guests today. We're so glad out of all the great churches here in our community, you've chosen to be here at Eastern Heights this morning. We welcome you and hope you have a great experience worshiping the Lord today. I want to say welcome to those that are online today or listening by podcast. We welcome you. Matter of fact, this past week, uh, one of uh, our singers on the praise team was out and about and a person asked him, said, hey, aren't you the one that sings uh, at Eastern Heights? She said, yes, I am. He said, well, I've never been in person, but I watch y'all a lot. And so we don't ever know who's watching. So welcome online again, and we're glad that you have joined us this morning. We're going to pick up where we left off in our doctrinal series called Unstoppable, where we've been walking through the book of Acts in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to say I hope that you had a blessed and great Thanksgiving weekend last weekend. Uh, my family did, and I want to thank you for allowing us the time to go and to be with uh, Amanda's father and one of my three sisters in Alabama uh, during that holiday period of time. And I want to thank our chairman of deacons, uh, Richard Cleveland, for the great job he did leading our service last week as we uh, observed uh, the ordination of a new deacon and recommissioning of another one. Uh, and I look forward to working with Lee Radney and Whit James in the days ahead, along with all of our other deacons. And speaking of Whit James, on Sunday morning, Christmas, right? Christmas, Sunday morning, we're going to have a special combined service. It's going to be in the sanctuary, all right? And it's going to be at 1030, and Whit James is actually going to be leading the message that day. So that's going to be a special treat. Now, he won't call it a message. I don't know what he's going to call it, but it's going to be special, I promise, because if Witt's doing it, it's special, right? So that's on Christmas morning. I invite you, if you're not out of town and you're not with family, to come and be a part of that service that morning. I also want to remind you to pray for our search team. They continue to work each and every week on finding our next staff person, which is a full-time contemporary worship leader and youth pastor. We've got some changes coming up here in the next few days. Uh, or weeks, actually, uh, we have Jordan and Logan who are going to be relocating to Augusta uh, for his job. He's graduating here in another week or so. At least they tell him he is. He'll find out, I guess. Uh, it might be an abrupt uh, awakening there. But anyway, I, I think he's, I think, we think he's going to make it. But anyway, they'll be moving to Augusta, and so we're, we're going to be making some moves and some changes in the future. So be in prayer for that team. It's a, it's a big thing going on, and, and they're doing a lot of good good work, but our prayers will go a long way. I also want to encourage you, I know it's the season of giving Christmas gifts, giving to Lottie Moon, a lot of other things, but I want to continue to encourage you to make giving to our Williams Building Campaign Fund a part of your ongoing giving, just to give an extra 1% or 2% even above your regular tithing offering so that we can finish out the enclosure for our children's building. We, we've met our goal of getting all the things that we need for inside pretty much. Uh, we just need to finish out the rest of that, that goal of, of that $45,000 to do that enclosure. And as you can tell, it's getting that weather where it would be nice to be able to stand inside with your little ones instead of outside. But thank you so much for your giving, your generosity, and pray that you continue to do that. Well, last time we were in Acts, we were in Acts 
chapter 7 and 8. And we were talking about how that up through chapter 6 that this newly established church had pretty much, much been a local effort, all right? But God's purpose for the church was for the church to be a global effort. We began to see that movement begin to take place in chapter 7 and 8. And what had stopped the church from being a global movement was fear. It was fear of persecution. It was uh, opposition, both from inside and outside. It was religious traditions that man had come up with along the way that were holding back this new church. It was also, we saw racism because they didn't want to take it outside of the Jewish faith to the Gentiles. They just kind of wanted to keep it local there. And so we saw even that was part of what was stopping the mission of the church from becoming a global effort. So over these next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is in what I'm calling part two of this series, Unstoppable, we're going to be in chapters 9 through 15, where we're going to see God move the church from being a local effort to being a global effort. He's going to move the church by taking his people and taking the foot off of the brakes of what's stopping her from being the unstoppable church that she was meant to be. And you remember from last time, being a global mission means that it is for anyone and that it is for everyone, right? That's why we didn't find Jesus telling the world to go find the church. We find Jesus telling the church to go to the world. Big difference. And I want you to think about that for a minute. These new Christians, they were told to go take this new message of Jesus to a world who already had a religious belief system. They already had their ways of doing church, the ways that they went about worshiping God. And so to tell them that they needed to change their way of doing all that, the way of their believing, the way that they worship God, to believe in Jesus, that was going to be a challenge, but that was the mission that he gave these new Christians. And some of us have forgotten, or maybe we didn't even realize it, but as a follower of Christ... You and I have also been already commissioned to be a missionary to do the exact same thing. That is to take the unstoppable message of salvation to a lost world that needs to hear it. We're going to see how that Jesus launched that mission today. He did it by choosing a man who not only didn't think that this message of Jesus should be spread, but he saw it like a virus that was worse than the coronavirus. And this viral message needed not only to be shut down, it needed to be totally destroyed. His name was Saul. You'll recall back in chapter 7 a couple weeks ago, we talked about how that Stephen was preaching this message. And it was a message that was far bigger than the temple. It was far bigger than Moses. It was far bigger than any of the religious traditions that they had upheld for all of these years. And they got so mad about this sermon that they killed Stephen. And Saul was one of the witnesses there that watched this happen and actually agreed with the killing of Saul. And not only that, but Saul thought, you know what, we need to step it up a little bit more. And let's see what happens with the next part of the story. In chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. He was unstoppable, folks. He just would not shut up. It was just in the opposite direction. 
and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. What way was that? This new way of Jesus that he would find there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, and what mission was that? It was to arrest and have Christians killed. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now before we dive into the story, I just want to point out a little something here that I think some people need to hear. Maybe, maybe you're here in the building, maybe you're just watching online, maybe you're listening by podcast, but some of you need to hear this because over the last several years, and especially the last couple of years, I've heard the statement, you know, I really like Jesus, but I just don't like church. And I want you to hear it today, and you're going to continue to hear it. You cannot divorce your love for Jesus from affection for his church. You just can't do it. You say, but the church is full of hypocrites. The church is flawed. The church is broken. And quite frankly, the church can be embarrassing at times. I mean, half the time the church isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, and half the time they're doing stuff they ought not be doing. You know what? You're right. It's true. All of it. But the great thing is Jesus identifies with broken. He identifies with flawed. He identifies with the embarrassing, like you and like me. Amen? And so next time you want to slander, uh, slander. that's a new one. I about got preaching, didn't I? Next time you want to slander or assault his church, you need to remember you're not assaulting an it. Jesus never called the church an it. He called it a me. And so when you're assaulting and attacking the church, you're not attacking an it, you're attacking Jesus himself. And why would we even do that? You know why? You know what Paul would say? Saul would say, because I thought I was right. I thought I was doing the right thing, attacking the church. Saul is the perfect example of someone who was very sincere, but he was just very sincerely wrong. Saul, who was also named Paul, would later say that he was kicking against the goad, which meant he didn't even have his whole mind wrapped around what he was doing or why he was doing it. Right? He could not figure out this thing in his mind about keeping the law because he had tried so hard to keep the law himself. If anybody had ever tried their hardest, it was Saul, and he, he couldn't do it. And so he couldn't wrap his mind around that. And he struggled with all the stories his friends would tell him about what Jesus was doing out there because they were miraculous and they couldn't be explained. And then he sure couldn't wrap his mind around somebody who was getting killed for Jesus, and the whole time it was happening, they were asking God to forgive the people who were killing that. And so in his mind, he struggled with what was going on. But there was one thing that his faith in his future could not get past, and that was a dead Messiah. 
And so Paul had to go blind to see the truth. And that's what happens with many people today. The old saying is you have to hit bottom before you grab hold of the rope. I want you to see several truths this morning. First was this. Salvation, the kind we're talking about that Jesus offers, can reach anyone. It really can. Even the most skeptical, even the most hard-hearted person, even those who would persecute the cause of Christianity, like Saul, this gospel can reach. You know, as Baptists, we talk a lot about the perseverance of the saints, right? And we should, because I believe that is a biblical thing. I believe it is true 100%. But you know what we ought to talk more about as well? It's the perseverance of God. You know why? Because God refuses to give up on anyone. The salvation that God offers is unstoppable because there is no one that his salvation can't reach. Paul, as he's now referred to from Acts 15 on, same guy, he had two names, just like I'm John Nicky. He was Saul Paul. His just rhymes better, right? All right? But he refers to this point in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He said, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was his statement. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Did you hear that this morning? Are you listening to me online? Or maybe by podcast you need to hear that today? Even if you are the worst sinners, God has great patience with you. Why? Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You know how we say it today? If God can save me, he can save anybody. And that's exactly what we're saying. You see, salvation isn't about us, folks. It's about God. We didn't find God. God found us. We didn't get God's attention because we're so good. God got our attention because he's so good. You see, salvation from start to finish, it's a work of God. That means it can reach anyone. You know, even back then, people thought Jesus was gone. But he wasn't. He shows up. And he shakes up their whole mindset about God and religion to the point where they were fighting mad about it, right? You see, the problem wasn't God stopping who could be reached. The problem was we were. And we still are today with our mindset and our biases. So the big question for you today, first one anyway, is who have you stopped sharing God's salvation with? Maybe you stopped sharing the salvation plan with somebody because of their past. You're going, you know, they're just too far gone. They are going to be too much work. I'm not up for it. Maybe you quit sharing with her because of her reputation. You quit sharing the plan of salvation with him because of his issues. Are we actually guilty of limiting God's salvation to just those people who we think might be interested in it? I hope not. Is it just me, or have you noticed that the greater the rebellion, the greater the redemption? The best sinner makes the best saint. That's what I've seen across the years. You see, Saul came to arrest those who would follow Jesus, but he got arrested 
by Jesus. And instead of confining him, Jesus set him free. That's what Jesus does. That's what salvation does to folks. And so the reality of today's message that I want you to see is this. The church has a view of salvation and grace that's much more stoppable than Jesus ever meant for it to be. Jesus' power says it is unstoppable, and we put all these things on it that keep it from working. Verse 10. Now, I love this story, by the way. You're going to love this. I hope you do. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. First of all, this is not Ananias and Sapphira, okay? This is not the Ananias that was married to her because he got killed in chapter 5 by the Lord for trying to mess with the church. Y'all hear that? You didn't catch it a few weeks ago. You don't mess with the church, folks. You mess with me, I'm just the pastor. You don't mess with this church. Don't mess with me either, okay? It don't feel good. So the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Otherwise, I'm scared. But the Lord said, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, you know me. I like to envision these things in my mind. So I'm sitting here, I'm reading this, and I'm watching this story, and it's starting to play out in my mind, right? First of all, I think it's so cool that you can have such a good relationship with Jesus that when he shows up to you in a vision and calls your name, you go, Yes, Lord. (laughs) Instead of freaking out, right? I, I can see today if Jesus were to come with an announcement in a vision, like, it'd be on television, right? It'd be like that, bang, 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 that announcement warning in Nikki, I need you to go. I'd be going, what? <laughs> yeah. But Ananias seemed to be great with whatever God was asking him to do, at least up to a certain point. Kind of like us, right? Yes, Lord. What? Ananias, yes, Lord. I've got a job for you. Yes, Lord. I need you to go across town. Yes, Lord. I need you to find Straight Street. Yes, I know where that street is, Lord. I need you to go find the house of Judas. I think I know which one that is. In there, you're going to find a guest. I want you to find him. Okay, Lord, yes. His name is Saul of Tarsus. Yes, Lord. Now, you got it, Saul? Yes, Lord. I want, you want me to go across town? Got it. You want me to find Straight Street? Know where that is. I want you to find the house of Judas. I think I know where that one is. I want you to go in there and I want you to find Saul of Tarsus. Got it. Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus? Hey, Lord! You ever been there where you felt like you needed to remind God of something he's forgotten? 
I mean, Lord, you do know who this guy is, right? Can I just take a moment to remind you of his past? And God says, no. You just be quiet, Ananias. I don't need you to remind me of his past. I want to remind you of his future. And see, that's far more important for us today. Because, see, you're not the only one that's getting a vision right now. He's getting a vision as well. And his vision has you in it. And I know he came to Damascus to lay hands on you, but I want you to go and I want you to lay hands on him. I love that. Don't y'all? Tell your face. All right, good. I mean, that's good stuff, folks. He came to whoop up on Saul. Saul, no, no, I'm going to go lay hands on him. And it just is amazing. To watch God work like that. Wouldn't it be awesome to see him do something like that again? Do you think he really can? I do, yeah. I'd love to see it. Well, you know how it happens? It's when we listen and obey. Because there's no other way. We ought to write a song about that. So Ananias got up and he went to see the last person on earth that he wanted to see. Because you know what? Salvation can not only be for everyone, but it can unite anyone. In anybody. Verse 17. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to you so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So two words he never thought he would ever say, and that is Brother Saul. And when he said those words, it started the unwork, unstoppable work of God that we know of today. And so not only were Saul's eyes open, but Ananias' eyes were open as well to the vast amount of the grace that God has for every single person and the need that they have for salvation. And the very fact that regardless of whatever their condition might be, not only do they need salvation, but it is available for them. There is hope. Now, folks, if there's one thing we're good at, it's division. And I'm not talking about math. We are divided over politics. I'll be so glad when this is over for a minute. We are divided over, you know, social class. We're divided over sexuality, race. We're divided over what we ought to be doing and not doing in the church. But here in the book of Acts, we find the one thing that can unite and bring everybody together when nothing else can, and that is the fact that we all need salvation and that it is available in Jesus Christ. That is the message of the church, folks. It's not about programs. Jesus didn't die for programs. He didn't die for classes. He didn't die for get-togethers where we can have fun. And so we begin to understand here God's plan for all of mankind is that we... You and I, we're the vessels that God has chosen to take this plan of salvation to the entire world. And if we don't do it, it ain't going to get done. So we need to quit worrying so much about the programs and the get-togethers and all that and start focusing on the plan that God has to save the world, folks. Verse 26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, and they were all afraid of him. Go figure. They did not believe he had truly become 
a believer. They thought he was acting like a spy. He was going in and lying to them about being a Christian now so that he could get them all together and have them arrested and killed eventually. So they didn't trust him. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had, been, had, had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. I would have loved to have seen that. And the look on people's faces. Huh? So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. But instead of receiving God's life-changing gift, they were all afraid and rejected Saul. Why? Because of his past. They just couldn't get past the past. And so many of us today are the same way. But what changed closed hearts and closed minds was their common commitment to Jesus Christ and to spreading this plan of salvation to everyone. You see, our future with Jesus transcends all of the past things that divide us. And if not, it should. Amen? This salvation we're talking about can unite anybody. Because this grace, it really is that amazing. But as we're going to see, it took divine prodding to get these first new Christians in this first new church to move out of Jerusalem to the other parts of the world and to take it to other kinds of people like us, the Gentiles. And to get the church to see that this salvation through Jesus Christ would be unstoppable because it really was for everyone, not just the little group in Jerusalem. You see, salvation can go anywhere. Salvation can go anywhere. It was Paul, formerly known as Saul, who would be the person to help explain God's plan to the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Paul said these words. He said, you see... We don't go around preaching about ourselves. I mean, if anybody had an awesome testimony, it would have been Paul, right? I mean, it blows my testimony away, right? He said, but we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. We now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You get the imagery there? This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So it is amazing how God works. He takes fragile vessels like you and I, and he fills us with this great treasure, which is the hope of salvation. And then God uses us with all of our flaws you know, with all of our imperfections, with all of our brokenness, all of our vulnerabilities. And he chooses us to give this plan of salvation that is much bigger than anything we could individually give ourselves. You see, that's why the plan of salvation is so much bigger than the programs and the classes and the stuff. It transcends all of that. It's bigger than anything we can come up with. So this would be Saul's new way of life. Look at verse 20. And he immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues. You see, when you get saved, you just can't be quiet about it. You immediately start telling people about Jesus. 
saying he is indeed the Son of God. Now, I know I told you in the past that he wasn't, and I killed Christians for it, but I'm telling you, folks, I found out he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed, go figure. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? I mean, what's he doing here? Well, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. Is that not an amazing story? So Saul would spend the rest of his life trying to avoid getting killed for preaching the gospel that he had so persecuted himself. He'd go from prison to prison. From one hardship to the next hardship. Later in the same chapter, Saul would go down to Jerusalem and they would try to kill him there. So Saul's only been a Christian for a couple of weeks and they've already tried to kill him twice in one chapter. I mean, it's going to be tough for Saul from here on out. See, Satan tried to stop the unstoppable plan of salvation then, and he's still trying to stop it today, folks. He is. But this is how. This is how God has chose for it to work. And it's unstoppable because, last of all, salvation can endure anything. And remember, we're the vessels that take it, which means we can endure anything. You see, normally we wouldn't put chosen and suffering together, right? But here's what Paul knew. A gospel that costs you nothing cannot have an unstoppable impact. And so if your walk with Jesus costs you nothing, then your impact for Jesus is stoppable. Let's pick up where we left off in 2 Corinthians a minute ago. We're going to close with this, chapter 4, verse 8. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but not ever abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. Wait, that's a song. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Verse 10. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That's why if your Christianity costs nothing, people aren't seeing anything, folks. You see, no one pays much attention to stories of triumph. Now, I mean, we love to hear them, right? We love to see them. They make us feel good for a minute, right? But here's the problem with it. Our mindset won't let us get away from thinking, well, that's great for them, but that's not my life, right? All those people on the public's commercials, I mean, they're getting paid for that. And I still cry. We like hearing them, but it's just not us. It's not my life. You know what people do pay attention to? Somebody who says that they've asked Jesus into their heart. And they're sold out to living for Jesus Christ. And they'll tell you it's not easy. They'll tell you that they are Christian, but you know what? They're dealing with cancer. They'll tell you that they're a Christian, but they have stuff going on in their life that's not fun they'll tell you that they're a Christian but they're hurting 
They'll tell you they're a Christian, but their marriage is falling apart and they're broken because of it. They've got stuff. And see, what people will listen to is they'll listen to your story, though, of how that your salvation has given you a joy that goes beyond the hurt, that goes beyond the cancer, that goes beyond the pain. You've got a joy that transcends all that. And your story will tell them how that it's not always easy, but Jesus has given you a hope that will even go beyond death and dying. It's a message, folks, that can go anywhere because it can reach anybody. And because of that, it's unstoppable. And Paul was willing to go through anything so that salvation could go to everybody. So what about you and your testimony? You see, Paul was taken before Nero. And we see a lot of this thumbs up stuff in social media, right? I use it a lot too. But Paul was taken before Nero, and Nero gave him the thumbs down. So Paul was taken out, and he was executed for his Christianity. We don't even know where he was buried. Most scholars believe that basically his body was just taken to the city dump and dumped in there where the dogs ate his body. But you know what happens today? We name our dogs Nero. We name our sons Paul. Because his message was unstoppable then. And it's unstoppable today. Over these next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this man, Saul. We're going to continue to hear how his life was changed and how God used him. You know what you're going to be tempted to do? I can see it coming. You're going to be tempted to go, well, that was Paul. I mean, Paul, he, he was an apostle. I mean, he had an extra something about Jesus I never had. He got a little more Jesus than I've ever gotten. He was unstoppable. And you know what? We can't live like that. That bar is way too high. Don't ask me to do that. So here's our takeaway today. I want you to write this down. You would do what he did, talking about Paul, if you saw what he saw. So what about it? Have you seen Jesus? Because once you've had that experience with Jesus through real salvation you can't go back to the same old same old you just can't do it folks now we may stray here and there but you can't go back you just can't you see Saul's life had a divine interruption and it was life changing folks and so maybe that's our prayer today is to invite an interruption into our life and to ask God for a new encounter with Jesus that's fresh all over again. Am I saying you need to get saved again? No. I believe once you're saved, you're always saved. But when's the last time you had a fresh encounter with Jesus 
like that first moment you first encountered him? If so, you cannot be silent. An unstoppable salvation needs us as his vessels to take it wherever we go. Ask for that divine interruption right now. Father, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we come to you and we need a divine interruption because life, it just gets in the way. We get busy, especially at this time of season, yet it's all about Jesus and we're so busy we forget the unstoppable message of salvation is for everyone and everyone needs to hear it. And so use us, your vessels, even though we're flawed and broken and messed up, use us even this week to take it to those who need to hear it so that their life can be changed as well. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. All of his people said, amen, amen. God bless you for being here today. Take the unstoppable plan of salvation to a lost world. They need to hear it. Let's all stand together as we sing and praise the Lord. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.